Hey ladies, it's me, Nicole. Before we get on with the show, I wanted to ask you for a huge favor. If you're a fan of Winhurst United, I could really use your support to continue to grow this platform. So if you don't mind and you have time, I would truly appreciate you helping me out. There are four ways that you can help. I would love if you would help in all four ways, but at least help in one if you can't help in all four. So the ways are by subscribing, by rating, by writing a review, and by sharing the podcast out. I truly appreciate you, and I want to thank you in advance for your continued support. Learn about the strides female entrepreneurs of color are making. Be inspired by their story and enlightened by their leadership, insight, and advice. Welcome to Winhurst United, your one-stop shop for business, mindset, personal development, and self-care conversations. I'm your host, Nicole Walker, and I am excited that you're listening today. I hope you find this information useful, and if you do, it would make my day to hear from you. Go over to winhersunited.com and leave me a message in the contact form. I would love for you to share your takeaways and your thoughts with me. Now let's get on with what you came here for. This is season six, episode 18, entitled, Reclaim Yourself and Go Forward with Eleanor Beaton. Hi, Eleanor. We're excited to talk to you today and to learn more about you and your journey. Thank you so much. I'm really, really delighted and honored to be here. You're welcome. All right. So let's get started by you telling us about your background and what you currently do professionally. Ooh, I love this. So I actually started out in advertising and communication. So I worked in public relations and then I moved into advertising. And so it was all sort of messaging and positioning products and companies and helping them build their audience and ultimately sell more. And through that process of doing that, I was always kind of writing on the side. So I was a reporter for different alternative newspapers and magazines and that kind of thing in Toronto, which is where I was at the time. And I was just like, you know, I love this so much. I want to go to journalism school. So I went back to university, got into journalism, opened up a communications consultancy, still did a lot of journalistic work, worked with leaders, helping them sort of refine their message, worked with politicians, all of that good stuff. And it was close. And maybe your listeners can relate. You know, it was close, but not quite on the money. And so I shut down that business launched a new business where I work with women leaders and entrepreneurs taking those same skill sets. So, you know, what I found is so many women entrepreneurs really struggle to clearly explain what they do. So I created a company that helps them articulate their message so they can create amazing marketing and really dominate their niche. That's what I do. Nice. I love that. And I always love how everything comes together, right? As I was listening to you, I'm like, well, that was a shoe in to where you currently are. (laughs) Totally. It's so, yeah, when you look backwards, you see it. As we live forwards, it feels extremely confusing, which which is ironic, you know? Yes, yes. Awesome, awesome. So tell us about what you wanted to be when you grew up. Oh, I wanted to be a supermodel slash investment banker. Okay. (laughs) That's what I wanted to be. So my aunt, who was 
an investment banker and just like a huge role model and, and mentor for me. So she really introduced me to, and she made a ton of money. She was the richest woman I knew. She, she just had great clothes. She had this glamorous life in London in the United Kingdom. And I was just like, she's amazing. And then of course, I'm, I know I'm dating myself, but I grew up in the age of like the true supermodels, Naomi Campbell, Linda Evangelista, Tyra Banks, you know, it was the time. And I was tall. I'm tall. I'm six feet. So I was like, well, clearly supermodel. So supermodel slash investment banker. I really thought at that age, I could do it all. That's what I wanted to be when I grew up. Yes. Wow. Wow. Well, that was a transition into. (laughs) Right. Neither of those careers came anywhere close. Right. Right. (laughs) But you know what I love? You made a key point, right? That we want to do what we see. And I feel like a lot of times people don't see glamorous things because as I was listening to you, I'm like, where would you figure out investment banking? Like I know as a kid, I was not thinking about that. So that's awesome that you brought, brought out that your aunt, who is your role model, was actually doing it because we emulate what we see. And I think that that's a great point. Yeah. Like, you know, and right now, I guess you and I, and the women who are listening are also inspiring. Like we're probably inspiring, you know, young girls who are seeing us to be podcasters. You know, it's, it's cool the way that that happens just by being yourself, you're inspiring dreams and others. Yes. Yes. I love that. Okay. So take us down memory lane and tell us what your upbringing was like. Ooh. So We're immigrants to Canada. So my mother is from the Fiji Islands in the South Pacific. My father was Welsh. We moved to Canada when I was from the UK when I was four years old. And so I grew up in a mixed race home in a very small rural community. And that was interesting. I always felt kind of like an outsider, you know? So growing up, I never really felt that I belonged And I always felt that I had to be very careful about making sure that I fit in and that kind of thing. So there was all that kind of social pressure, you know, which I realized, you know, as I've grown up and have become a leader and an entrepreneur and somebody who shares my message, you know, through things like this or speaking or my podcast, that in order to be able to do that sustainably, I had to find home and belonging within myself, Mm. you know, and that was like, I think one of the biggest sort of personal things that I have had to create, you know, for myself. And then, you know, and, and in our, inside our home, my mother was a, she was a teacher. She was, you know, well-educated when we were in Fiji, we moved to Canada. She doesn't know anybody. Everybody looks different. So she gives up her job and stays at home and raises us. But she always, you know, she always really sort of reinforced to me how important it was to make money. She and my dad had a wonderful relationship, but he was the breadwinner. And there is a certain form of disempowerment that can happen in some relationships when one person makes all the money and one person has to get the budget, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that upbringing really reinforced in me just the spirit of independence and how that ability to make money was going to be very important for me moving forward. I was the oldest of two of three kids. So always had some of that oldest kid, let's be responsible for everything and everybody, you know. But when I look back, you know, it was a house that was filled with a lot of love and a house that was filled with high expectations Mm. that could be challenging at times. But ultimately, I appreciate that my parents expected me to do well, expected me to try my best. 
Okay, thanks for sharing that and being so transparent. We are kindred spirits. I can are relate. we? <laughs> yes. High expectation household. My mother always instilled the empowerment of getting my own and doing my own thing. And especially in relation to the not fitting in, like totally felt like that growing up. I think it's partial to being a lighter skinned black woman where, mm -hmm. you know, I stand out because I'm not as dark as other women. So it's like, oh, look at her. Who is she? Then yeah. I don't fit there. I don't fit with Spanish people who I look more like. I don't fit with white people because I'm not white. So definitely relate to that. And I find it to be a trend that people who don't fit in end up being so amazing and finding their own lane, right? I remember talking to someone recently who, like for me, it was a sore spot. Like I never fit in. All I ever wanted to do was fit in. And he told me, he said, Nicole, you never fit in because you were destined to stand out. And I was like, oh, Ooh, that's a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, thank you. That makes me feel so much better. So thank you for sharing that. Yes, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. I think so. You know, it's a, it's a, one of those things and I didn't think about it, but you know what? You're right. I think when you don't fit in, you have to create your own mm -hmm. and, and you kind of start to accept, well, well, hell, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to fit in. And you get to this point where you just kind of stop trying exactly, and you start going and creating something yes. different. So, yeah. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So tell us about a pivotal point in your life and how it shaped who you are today. Oh my gosh. There are so many pivotal points. When I was growing up, I was a teenager. I was probably like 13 years old or something like early teenager. And I heard about this international school. You could only get in on scholarship. Like you could not pay your way to go there. You had to, it was like, you'd go together. There'd be kids from all over the world. And me who didn't fit in was like, well, maybe I'll fit in there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I was like, oh, maybe that's my place. So I'm 13 years old and I bet, you know, I, I just know that there's a lot of women who can relate. So some of the women, some of the women who are listening to this right now were exactly like I was at this age. I had my stuff together, <laughs> you know, like I was showing up with school with everything ready to go. Like that's just how it was. And so I heard about the school. I was like, well, this is happening. This and and so this is my dream. And I put a picture up of I did not know what a vision board was. This was pre-vision boards. I put a picture up of the school. I remember I went to my grandparents' house. They lived in the UK. I I asked that they take me there and we do a tour of the school. And I figured out what do I need to do to get into this school? And so it was you've got to be well-rounded, you have to have good grades, you need to volunteer, you need to, you know. So I was getting everything done that I need to get done. And so then, you know, we have these interviews and there's hundreds of people who apply and I didn't get the first scholarship that they gave out. And I was like devastated. I thought I was done, you know, and I basically had so much conviction in the fact that I was going to be going that I told all my friends that I was going to be going again, right? You know, there are people here who can 100% relate to that girl. Anyway, so all of this happens. And then a few days later, I get a call. Hey, look, we found this other scholarship. Would you like to go? So I went. And the reason that this is so pivotal, you know, is because what I learned from that is that you can have an impossible vision, mm. you know, and if you believe in it, like I believed so hard that that was going to happen. I believed so hard in that. And I didn't just do that. Like I did, I just did the things that I needed to do to get myself there. 
And I've thought about that because, you know, there's this resilience and this determination that sometimes we have as young, young women, as like girls, you know, that we can lose or forget about after life has had a chance to kind of knock us back a little bit. Mm -hmm. So when I think about that pivotal moment, it taught me so much. It definitely altered the course of my life in terms of the people that I met and, and the opportunities that I had available to me. But it also reinforces ability that, hey, if you want something and you believe hard, you can make impossible things happen. Yeah. So there's my kind of pivotal moment, you know. I love that. And I love how you were so forward thinking at such a young age. That's amazing. Right? Yes. Yes. And I, then, I, then, I did, then I lost that for a while. You know what I mean? I just complete. And then I reclaimed it, you know, and I've thought so many times about that young girl, you know, and and how plucky she was and how much I love her. <laughs> yes, I yeah. love that. And that's a great point because sometimes, I know for me personally, I lost myself, right? And then when I discovered myself again, I had to look back and realize, hey, once upon a time, I was on the right path, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people can relate to that as well, right? Yeah, that losing. And, and that's such an interesting topic, isn't it? How we lose ourselves. And is that necessary? I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's the necessary thing. There's this age where it's really easy to separate from that determined human being, you know, that, that we were as younger, as younger girls. Yes. Yes. Great. Thanks for that. Okay. So tell us what you do to ensure that you're showing up to the best of your abilities, either personally and or professionally. So for me, you know, in, in my business right now, the most important thing that I can do to drive things forward professionally for me and my team is, you know, like FaceTime and create, you know, so it's literally things like showing up and doing my podcast and bringing my energy to incredible shows like this one. It's doing webinars, it's doing my LinkedIn lives, it's, it's having the meetings, it's running our team stand-up meetings, you know, all of it's about showing up visually. Like, camera on, voice on, mm. here I am, you know, and I've really seen that that is really important. Second only to taking time to plan, you know, okay. and this sounds so, this is like, so, so there's all like the psychological and inner work, but there, there's also the work of putting on my makeup Ooh. and it's real, and it's, you know, and what I noticed is that I made this decision. I was like, I'm going to be camera ready. It was this one week where I had to be camera ready every single week. And I just got up and I put on my makeup. And for me, I was, I was so, I was on camera every single day. And I was like, well, I have my makeup on. I might as well go do this. And you know what? I might as well go do that. And it was this thing. And so now I put my makeup on every day, even though I work at home. And as we're recording this, it's in the middle of the pandemic. So everybody is working at home. Mm -hmm. But it's, again, it's like this little thing, but that helps me show up. I feel always ready. I feel always that I'm presenting myself in my best light, which makes me feel confident and prepared and ready. Awesome. Thanks for that. That's so funny that I just recently had another interview where the woman shared that. And to me, it was so profound. And to hear you confirm it, right. it's even more profound. It's like she, ha she has to put her makeup on and that makes her feel like the woman she's destined to be, the woman she's meant to be, and the woman she wants to be. So that's a great yeah. point. And like you said, especially in a pandemic where it's so easy to want to not even brush your teeth or not even shower. I know. But yeah, how does that really make you feel? So are we helping ourselves or are we hurting ourselves? So thanks for that. 
You know, and I mean, the biggest issue for me, and 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 I say this, you know, and it's interesting with the pandemic, but it's things like self-care and grooming, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, which is not, which we have not been able to do. And I mean, I know that that is such a minor thing compared to the the suffering that people are experiencing, but it is a thing, you know, like you're seeing people in a much more natural state. <laughs> Let me put it that way. <laughs> you know, eyebrows, not on point. <laughs> As we record this, not on point. You look beautiful. <laughs> so do you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that is, I mean, again, but you you said that that seems minor, but to me, it's not minor. Like people overlook the importance of self-care. Like self-care allows you to show up, right? And although we usually put it on a back burner, if you ask me, it belongs in the front because how can you be who you're created to be if you don't first care for yourself? Yeah. So true. So true. All right. So let's go on to a little more tough topic, right? Tell, oh, us love about it. Your, <laughs> tell us about your toughest struggle and how you overcame that struggle. Oh my gosh. So my toughest struggle was this, I'll pick something that came from business, although it was very much personal as well. So as I was growing my business and starting to serve more customers and serve more clients and all of this, and I think it comes back to what we were talking about before. So I always had this thing where I wanted to fit in and I wanted to, and part of the way that that was expressed was through feeling like I had to please people mm-hmm. and make people happy, you know, and make sure that everyone was happy all the time. And, you know, as an entrepreneur and a leader, you can go a long way with that people pleasing nature intact. Because it just means that, you know, you can, can you serve 10 clients and still make everyone happy? Yeah. Can you serve 20? Yep. Can you serve 250? Can Mm. you serve 2000? So I got to this place in my business where my audience and reach, like the business is growing. And because of the model we had, we were able to serve a lot more people. Mm -hmm. And so I'd done the work. I'd done the marketing work. I'd done the program work. I like, I'd done a lot of different things but I hadn't done the work on myself. Mm. And what I found was that, you know, as I was serving hundreds of people, there's always people who love you and people who like you. And then you're going to have people who are like, ah, you know, you're going to have people in your audience who are like, for whatever reason, they're still in your audience. They're not leaving, but they don't (laughs) love you, you know? So I experienced that. And it seems like such a little thing, but it was really hard for me. It was so hard for me to be able to continue to create and run my business when I had, you know, there was like 85% of the people in my audience appreciated what I did, but there were 15% who didn't. Mm. And I, my nature was to put all of my attention on those 15%. Mm. So, right. So it was a 12 month period where what did I do? The things, what didn't I do to serve the 15%? I hired people I, to try to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. I invested in enhancing my offerings to serve the problem. I, you know, did a lot of, took a lot of walks and I tried to look inside and what was wrong? What was I doing wrong to solve the problem? Mm-hmm. And more as I went through that experience, I was continuing to get further and further away from who I was, what Mm -hmm. I thought, and my own criteria for success, you know? So that was huge. And and ultimately, at the end of the day, I realized that it was all about in order to grow, especially for a woman, especially who has people-pleasing tendencies, it was all about 
me learning that I had to create my own criteria mm. for what success looks like. And I had to create my own criteria for, am I doing a good job? And when I did that, everything changed. So I still have people who don't like me, you know, as you like, I still have that, but I don't give that. I respect them. I allow that. I allow them to be wrong about me, but I don't give that the airtime anymore. Or, well, that's a lie. Actually, that's over, that's overstating it. Sorry. I give it airtime. It's just not as long. Okay. And I recover a lot faster. I should say, I should say that it comes up. And that, but I see it, I notice it, and I, and I release it a lot faster. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. I never understand why people don't like a person or an event or a cause, but yet they put so much energy into paying attention to it. That like- Right? <laughs> I'm like, just go away. Like, seriously, work on your own stuff. I know it's so, it's weird. There's people out there like that, and it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So like they say, like you, you can never please everyone. And if you try to, you'll drive yourself crazy. So good for exactly. you for realizing that. Right. Thank you. All right. So tell us about the latest book that you read and mm. just what, you know, what you took from it. So the latest book that I read was a wonderful book. It's called the practicing mind by mm. Thomas Sterner. And uh, it's a really interesting book. So he was a professional musician. And then he became a professional and ran, built up this great business doing as a professional piano tuner for like symphonies and stuff. He's just this guy who has a lot of hobbies, um, has been very successful in the musical field and is a practicing Buddhist. Oh. And so the book is all about how do we perform at a high level consistently with all of the stuff that we have going on, you know? And I, I mean, I could completely relate like on any given day, you know, my to-do list is generally longer than, you know, than I have hours in the day. <laughs> I was experiencing like this, this, you know, years of never feeling like I could rest because there was always, you know, a list of things. And I always felt like I was behind. I'm letting people down. I'm not getting things done fast enough. All of this and that book, you know, and, and I have, you know, come off that treadmill but what that book did is it, it's really all about, hey, how do you find joy and happiness in being truly present? And how do you actually become truly present so that you can be more effective, so you can get more done, you know, so you can get better results? So I loved that book. It was, it was awesome. Awesome. Thanks for that. And that was a shoo-in to the next question. So thank you. Right. I find that highly successful people follow routines. Right. So can you tell us about your morning routine and what you do to show up to your best ability? I would love to. My morning routine starts the night before when I roll out my yoga mat and I get my coffee all ready to go. So I only have to hit the button. Guys, this is the game changer in the morning routine because the difference between waking up and being like, I have to make coffee from scratch and getting up and being like, it's all ready and set for me is a game changer. So I do all of that the night before. And then I go to bed and I wake up in the morning. I wake up at five. I pad downstairs. I have a drink of water and I hit the button on the coffee maker. And then I do a 10 minute yoga routine. Guys, check out Yoga with Adrienne on YouTube. She, she, she's like at home yoga. So I just do 10 minutes. I don't have to overdo it. I do 10 to 15 minutes of yoga. 
And then my coffee is ready. So I have my coffee. I sit down in my favorite chair and I meditate for 15 minutes. I use the Calm Meditation app. And then from there, I read an inspirational book. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I generally read the inspirational book. I pray. And then I go and write in my journal. And then from there, I take some time to kind of look ahead at the day, really make some plans for the core things that I want to get done, and then, you know, have breakfast with my family. Lately, because my kids aren't going to school, our morning routine, so I have a little bit of time, I might do a little bit of work, have breakfast with my family, do a short walk if I can, and then I'm at my desk at 8.30 or 9 a.m. That's my morning routine. It's elaborate. And I follow it consistently. And there's a huge difference between when I do it and when I don't do it. But it's the night before, right? Got to get yeah. that coffee brewed the night before. I love that. Yes. And that's what I was going to piggyback on that your morning routine doesn't start the morning you wake up. It starts before you go to bed the night before. Yeah. So that's, that's a great point to bring out. All right. Thanks for sharing that. So tell us about a leadership principle or practice that governs your life? Oh, this, I just love this. Um, I love this so much. And the leadership principle that governs my life is be clear about what I want and what I expect. Mm. And this is, this is just so huge for me, all of the problems or all of the challenges, and this is kind of relates back to the criteria, mm-hmm. you know, like really getting clear what is a leader, you know, and it's a person who has a vision, who lays out the expectations and and communicates clearly about that, you know? And so for me, it has really been about the big principles. What do I want here? And that's so huge for so many women and myself included. A lot of times I actually never thought about what I wanted. Mm -hmm. What do I want here? And what are my expectations of what I want other people to do? If it's like a team member, I'm giving people money, you know? Or, you know, what are my expectations of what I'm going to do? Mm. That to me has been really freeing and liberating in terms of my leadership journey. Okay. Yes. Clarity, right? Without clarity, how do you know where you're going, right? Right. Yeah. And I see your communication background helping with that. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So tell us, whether or not you practice positive affirmations or yeah, positive affirmations. And if so, share your favorite one with us. Oh, you know what? I don't practice positive affirmations, not because I don't believe in them. I just don't, you know what I mean? It's not something that I use that I use very much. I do have this, I should say, maybe this is, I have this, it says power thoughts and this is framed on my desk. <laughs> my, and I have it here because I remember, I can't remember who it was. I think it might've been like Joel Osteen or something like that. He had this sermon and it was called power thoughts, you know, the way he's like power thoughts. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. And, but it, so that reminds me to be thinking powerful thoughts, to be thinking optimism, you know, to be thinking victory, to be thinking resilience. So I guess, is the, does that count as an affirmation? That does actually count. Yeah. And a part of positive affirmations is having it somewhere that you can see it and remind yourself of it. There we go. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And it, mm. it, you know what I like that though? Like some people, like with their positive affirmations, like I am successful. I can yeah. conquer everything. But what you're showing is that it doesn't have to look like that. It can be a phrase that then reminds you of what you need to do. So power Mm. thoughts, 
reminds you that you need to think powerfully, right? So <laughs> even though it doesn't look the way people say it should, it's serving the same purpose. So thanks for that. Okay, so let's help the listeners a bit, right? Do you have any recommended resources that you can tell us about and tell us how you utilize them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So a couple of the resources, and I mentioned some of them, the Calm Meditation app, which I really appreciate. It just makes meditation a lot easier. Yoga with Adrian, mm -hmm. guys, it's like a free YouTube channel. She has like, I've watched her subscribers go in like, in like six months from 4 million to like 6 million, six and a half million subscribers. It's, that has been really excellent. I have found just practicing yoga. Like I, I'm not going to drive to a one hour class, but I will do 10 minutes at my home. That's been a huge resource. I really love using Slack for team communications as a really powerful, you know, for me, resource that I appreciate. And I would say those are sort of the three, as I was thinking through what are the resources and, you know, tools that I use primarily to help my life be easier and better, those things. And I'll, I guess I'll add one more, and this is like a little bit different, but an amazing senior executive assistant. So I know there's a lot of leaders here, a lot of entrepreneurs, and you know we like apps and we like our this and that, and we like to keep things lean. But I will tell you that I hired a senior executive assistant and I was looking for somebody senior. <laughs> you know, I was not looking for somebody junior. I was looking for somebody senior who could, you know, as a leader, you've got sometimes complex problems. Mm. And I was looking for somebody who was sophisticated enough. They could work with me on driving some of these things forward. I wouldn't have to explain everything. So I was looking for a senior person. I hired that person. Her name's Alyssa. And can I tell you, life changer, one of the most valuable resources in my life right now, seriously, as an entrepreneur. So listen, guys, we love VAs. Keep the VAs but make sure you have a senior EA in your life. Your world will turn upside down in a good way. You'll have fewer gray hairs. You will, the bags under your eyes will disappear. <laughs> it's been a life changer, game changer. I love that. And fewer gray hairs is definitely necessary, right? <laughs> Thanks for that. And I love how you shared four resources, right? And yeah. two of those were for you personally. <laughs> and two of them were professionally. So I love that 50-50 split because we do have to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves as well as our yeah. businesses. And a lot of times I feel like we take care of our businesses or our families or everything else before we take care of ourselves, which we need to possibly take care of ourselves more or yeah. if not at least equally. So I yes. love that that's what you shared. Okay, so do you have any advice to give an up-and-coming entrepreneur? Mm, yes, I do. I think that, you know, one of the most important things for any entrepreneur is to have what we call product market fit. And mm. what does that mean? So if you think about like why so many of us start businesses, it's because we have this thing that we're really good at, you know, like I have this thing that I'm great at and people really need it. Okay. And in the work that I do as an advisor to entrepreneurs, I sit on the board of venture capital organizations. We invest in businesses. And one of the things that we're always looking for is product market fit, which is not just do you have something that people need, but do you have something that they want, mm. you know, and that difference. And for many entrepreneurs, especially women who run service-based businesses, that product market fit actually comes down to, for many of them, 
it's not about changing what their product. It's about changing their messaging and how it's positioned in the market. Like when the Apple watch first came out, their messaging and their positioning was that this was going to be a fashion accessory. And people, the fashionistas are looking at like, that's the ugliest damn thing I've ever seen in my life. That is not, a, if, if you even think that's fashion, like, no. So then they saw like sales were not going. So they repositioned, they didn't change the product really. They told a different story about it. They were like, this is for the health conscious people. Mm-hmm. This is for the people who want to know how many steps they're taking and how much sleep they're getting. And sales went from like, they moved 4.2 million units their first, their first quarter when they had the fashion messaging. Mm-hmm. And they took that up to 6.8 million units when they switched to, to the health messaging. My advice is that until you nail your messaging, your sales, you know, your marketing, it's going to be so much harder to do. So really take the time. The money is in the message. The confused mind always says no. Make sure you're telling a powerful story. You're aligning what you offer with what people want. And you're telling a very clear message around that. Okay. Thanks for that. Yes. Message matters. And I can relate to that personally because I'm still trying to build other things out besides my podcast. And I do realize I'm like, I haven't figured out this message quite right. right. I know I can do the help. But until you're able to sell it via your message, no one's going to care, even though they need it. It's true. It's true. It's like that connection point. And then once they get it, <laughs> you know, like you don't have to do anything differently. It's just that ability to like have them understand. Right. And yeah, it's so, it's so common. And, you know, and I think even like I do this for a living and I still struggle with it. I have to talk to other people about it because I'm like, cause you know, you're so close to your, to your own business. You can't see the picture from inside the frame. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Thanks for that. All right. So before we let you go, I love to ask these, what I call fun questions, right? Love. I believe that travel is so important that we learn so much about ourselves and about food, about other people from travel. So I love to ask these questions. So can you tell us where your last vacation was, what your favorite vacation spot is, and once we're off of restriction, where your next (laughs) vacation will be if you've already started planning that? Oh, I love this. Okay. So my last vacation, I actually, um, was there when they started closing all up the borders. So, um, and it was, I was actually happy, but I was in the Dominican Republic and I go to the Dominican Republic almost every year. I just love the country. So Dominican Republic, my last vacation spot, my favorite vacation spot. I would be very disloyal to my family if I didn't say the Fiji islands. (laughs) So it's a absolutely beautiful place, beautiful culture, beautiful people just, just amazing. And my next vacation spot, I am really, really, really like, I have never been to Nashville and I don't know what it is, but I'm just like, I don't know what it is about Nashville, but I just have this thing where I would just like to go and like see the city and like see those gorgeous, like that gorgeous countryside around it. So, you know, Nashville it is. And I know, I I bet you people are like, really? really Nashville. And then some people might be like, no, this is the best city on earth. So that's my next vacation spot. Once oh. restrictions have eased. Yes. No, I love that. Right. Cause Nashville, I feel like is a very cultured place. Right? And sometimes we don't have to 
go too far to enjoy ourselves, right? So mm-hmm. like, let's not make it difficult for people that per se can go out of the country and maybe afford a lavish vacation, like take advantage of things that are right in our backyard, so to say. Well, for you, maybe not your backyard. Too. That's right. That's right. But almost. You know, yes. for those in the United States, and I love Fiji. Oh my goodness. That has been one of my to-do places before I even started exploring traveling. So mm-hmm. I can't wait to explore where you're from. Yes, yes. Well, thank you for that. All right, so before we let you go, do you want to tell the listeners about any events, whether that's virtual or, you know, in the yeah. future, in person, any offers, where yeah. they can find you? Oh, I love this. And thank you so much for the opportunity. So I think the best place to go, and this is going to be useful for people and kind of relates to what I was talking about with respect to messaging earlier. So as far as if you know that you want to refine your message and you really want the work to make sure you've got a message that sells, I suggest you go check out themessaginglab.com themessaginglab.com. That's a powerful way that we work with women entrepreneurs in very small groups and we help them nail their message. And so I would say, go check that out. Um, There's a lot of great resources on that page and that are free. And then if you want to kind of take it further, it shows you how to do that as well. Themessaginglab.com. Okay. And where can they find you? Oh, they can find me at (laughs) eleanorbeaton.com. And your podcast? 24-7. And my podcast, Fierce Feminine Leadership. Okay. Well, thank yes. you so much, Eleanor. I appreciate it. I'm going to go check out themessaginglab.com. Listen. Oh. <laughs> I'm so excited about that. And thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing your story, for being transparent and being open and free with all of your information. We appreciate it. And we look forward to just continuing to watch you and learn more about you. Thank you, Nicole. I so appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. Thanks. Until next time, be empowered and empower on.